I really believe that, um, you know, the, 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 the 40 days that we've outlined here, you know, it's, it started January 1st, started actually in December with our team kind of gathering together and saying, man, we, we feel that the Holy Spirit is stirring and he's stirring us to get out of our normal routine, out of business as usual, to go beyond something that we've been doing. And what's so good is God is so faithful. He's, he's consistent and, and he's everything that he does in, in our history, like Pastor Darren said, his faithfulness begins to reveal itself over and over again. But we're the ones that get stuck, right? The scripture says, the scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the weird thing is, so he's the same, but he wants us to change. Yeah. <laughs> Nudge your neighbor say, he wants you to change. <laughs> and because he wants us to change, many times that means we've got to be awakened. Everybody just say that word, awakened. Because we get sleepy. And we tend to just get into some kind of routine and that routine sometimes loses its punch, and sometimes we forget why we're doing it. There's nothing wrong with tradition, people. Tradition is actually good. It gets bad when you, it loses its meaning and its purpose. We say the Nicene Creed today. It's something that I decided when we planted this church that we were going to commit to because I wanted our church not to just be a place where people could experience emotional worship or spiritual worship, but also intellectual worship. That we've got to remember that we were handed a faith. That we've got to remember we're, the, we're, we're not the latest and greatest. We're just the next generation of people that's been handed something that people have been living out for centuries. And those centuries are full of people who lived under tyranny or persecution or difficult circumstances. And we need to remember that whether in caves or cathedrals, people have said those words that we just said together. And it's awesome to be in a church building that's 90 years old. That is so amazing. But God's doing something today that is different than he did 90 years ago, right? He's, he's doing something. He's awakening us to himself. And so he keeps doing this for our sake as we begin to seek him and seek his face. And so our team, we just said, we got to turn the, the the service is upside down somehow. Um, we got to take more time to worship God. And so I know it's been a little bit to get used to. You got to be more on time. Because you get in here and, and suddenly, suddenly Pastor Darren's up speaking. You're like, I, 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 went, I, just, I just came. I, like the service started at 10. No, um, we're going to worship God, but we're going to take time to turn this room into something that goes beyond anything formal, anything that is too traditional, that doesn't have power and meaning and purpose. That's why we did it. So we taught on this worship series, and God is doing cool stuff, and I'm just so proud of the worship team, and they're just leading us in such great worship. Adrian and the rest of the team, I'm so 
pleased with what God is doing there. And then, and then we came to this moment where we decided to launch 40 days, uh, uh, 40 days to Easter, and we called it a, a journey of prayer and consecration. And I just want to remind you, if you don't have one of these journals, we want you to have it. We have plenty of journals. We want you to take these home. These are really powerful tools and instruments for you and I to to go deep personally and to follow uh, together, to, to work together towards Easter. And each of the weeks are actually broken up into segments. There's six subjects that we are going to pray through. And this week is uh, prayers of consecration and surrender. And then the next week is prayers of spiritual awakening. The next week is uh, a week of wholeness and healing and provision. And the next week then is begin, we begin to climb to Easter. We begin to pray and reach out into our city and ask God to do things in our region. And we pray together for that. And the last, um, the last week, I believe, is harvest and deliverance. Harvest and God's deliverance of people so that they can discover who he is. Listen, God is doing something in our nation. The Asbury Revival is a little thing that touched off hunger. I mean, I loved what Pastor Bill said. He was with us last week. I think he was with you two weeks ago. He's with us again today. Yes, give him a hand, Pastor Bill and Sue. And, um, and he said when we, he was with us last week, we were, we were talking on stage a little bit about what God is doing among us. And he said, what you notice most is hunger. What you notice most is hunger. There's a, there's a hunger that people have. And there is a need for you and me to stimulate hunger. There's a need for you and I to really ask God to make us hungry. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. If you hunger for it, you will be filled. Jesus, this is Jesus on the, on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount, and he's announcing what happens in the kingdom of God. But here's a question I have for you today. What if you're not hungry? What if you're not that thirsty for what God wants to do? And I think it is easy for us to end up in that place because we live in America. Our prosperity, we typically, we typically don't pray first. We typically pray last. We try everything else first. And then, well, if all else fails, we should pray. No, we've got to change that. We've got to change that in our lives. We've got to pray first. <laughs> pray first, not pray as a last resort. And so I, I believe God is changing our mindset as a church. What God did here when you gathered for Ash Wednesday and this auditorium full of people, same thing happened in the other campuses. A, a, a bit of hunger started to appear. But I think, I think we've got to really ask ourselves the question, am I really already full? I don't know if you've ever been really full after a meal like have you have you guys like 
Like where you, you, have, you have this meal and you're so full that you're kind of miserable. You're so full you got to like unbutton your pants <laughs> or your belt breaks. Too soon? Too soon? You got a replacement belt? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those of you who are here last week know what I'm talking about. Pastor Darren's belt busted. It was a signal he needs to fast. I was those who have ears to hear, let him hear. I was at I was at uh, a Brazilian steakhouse. Have you guys ever been to the uh, Funga de Chao? Funga de, Funga de, I can't remember the name. My 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 wife was with me, and we were hosted by some people. It was the first time I'd ever been there, and it's this you know it's this steakhouse where they keep bringing you meat. They just it's on these skewers, and they just keep all these people just keep walking around, and they cut off a piece, and you take it, and you're just like oh. Amazing! Oh, this is so. Good. This is way better than the last piece of meat. And then you, then you love it. Then you're just, oh, that wasn't quite as good. Can I have some more of that? And then they bring it to you. Like they just keep bringing you pieces of meat, and they cut it off and put it on your plate. It's so amazing. It's one of my favorite restaurants ever. How did I not know it existed? And I was so full at some point. <laughs> we were so full at some point. I'm like. And the guy just kept coming and offering more meat. And I, was, and I got to a point where I was like, oh, no, oh, no thanks. I'm so stuffed. I, no thanks, I'm stuffed. And then another person would come up, would you like some more braised ribs? And I'm like, no thanks, man, I'm, I'm stuffed. <laughs> and then another person would come and say, would you like some sirloin? <laughs> no thanks, I'm really full. How about some more prime rib? No thanks, I'm really stuffed. I just like, what is wrong? How about some filet mignon? No thanks, I'm stuffed. Would you like some dessert? Well, maybe I... <laughs> I was like, what is, the, what, is, what is the deal with these guys? Like, do, do they serve the meat and get co commission on everything they get? No, well, what I didn't realize was <laughs> there's a little thing on your table. There's a little card, and you turn it up over, and it's, it's green, and you want people to... They see it on the table, and they keep coming. And I, when you're full, you're supposed to turn it over, and it's red, and that means they stop coming. Anyway, I was doing it wrong. But I think that sometimes our response to God is, no thanks, I'm stuffed. No thanks, I'm, I'm full. I got a lot of stuff in my life. My time is really full. Like, I got so many things. I'm like, man, I'm busy. I don't know if I can fit 40 days. That's a lot of days, Pastor. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> um, our free time is full. <laughs> we have a lot of leisure activities, you guys. A lot of things we like to do. Um, even when we just have a few moments where we don't have anything to do, what do you do? You start scrolling on your phone. People, we can't even go to the bathroom anymore unless we have our phone. You ever run, run oh, I'm going to the bathroom. Oh, I got to get my phone. What? That is gross. 
Netflix, Facebook, Insta, Snapchat, TikTok, Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, Peacock, HBO, Disney, plus Paramount, plus Google Calendar, Gmail, email, all the tools that can be so good but end up filling up and taking over our lives. No thanks, God. I'm stuffed. You wouldn't say that out loud, right? You wouldn't intentionally say that to him. You would just do it. You'd send that message. Like the table, you'd turn the card over. And say, man, I can't, I can't do anything. Maybe you're f- full of your career. Maybe you're, we're all dealing with our affluent society. Um, maybe you're stuffed with friendships and other people that you love and are, are grateful for, but all, all of the things of the family and all this, these things that fill up our lives, sometimes they fill us up and we end up crowding God out. You, you know you need to do it. You know you, you kind of want to do it down inside, but, but really you're kind of full. No thanks, I'm stuffed. Can't right now, maybe I can do it later. Like the book of Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. Today God is doing something and we need to respond. You and I need to respond to what God is doing. Like we need to be hungry for what he's doing in our lives. And we can't tell God we're stuffed Maybe we, could you come back later? Good news, he will come back later. But what will you miss? We want to get hungry for God and for the things of God. Psalm 63, the psalmist says in verse 1 through 5, he says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there's no water, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. Think about that. Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'll lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. This this psalmist is saying everything in my life longs for you. And only you really satisfy me. For me, sometimes I think the way I live and the way I act sometimes reveals that only torchies satisfies me. (laughs) So how do you get hungry? How do you get hungry? You fast. You fast. It makes you hungry. I started fasting this week. Oh my gosh, I have so much free time. If you're fasting, you, it, it, your time changes. Here's the other thing that happened to me, and I realized it. Oh my goodness, you know where I really gained time? In here. I realized that much of my life is looking forward to my next meal. 
I get done with a really hard thing at, at work, and I'm like, okay, I'm going home. I'm going to get my little meal plate, turn on my current series on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, that feels good. I realized how addicted I have become to getting my next meal. You know, there are people around the world who don't know where their next meal is coming from. There are people in our country, actually, who don't know where their next meal is coming from. That's why today is Mission Sunday, and we're going we're gonna to ask God what we can do to make sure we're partnering with people who are serving people in need. That's, what we, that's who we are. But I want to read this little story to you about Jesus speaking to his disciples. It's in Matthew 17. If you want to follow along in your message notes, uh, I'm just going to speak for a few more moments here. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. It's just uh, about six or seven verses. And it says, when they came to the, to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So this guy has a problem. His son is suffering. As a parent, there is nothing that makes you more desperate than your kids being in pain. Can I get an amen? It is something, it is something that turns on some kind of primal instinct. And we can't stand it. We have to do whatever it takes. Another good example. Another good illustration of what is required to seek healing and seek God for what he's doing. Now, the disciples have been doing amazing things. Now, don't misunderstand what's happening in this passage. Because the disciples have been doing miracles. The disciples have been healing people. The disciples have been praying with people and seeing God do incredible things. Similarly, we have been seeing over the last month or two or three or four, God doing really cool stuff. So it's amazing. It's amazing what the disciples, and these are just, these are just fishermen and tax collectors and guys who were just regular people, but they hung around with Jesus and they started doing these amazing things. But they got to this kid and something was missing. They couldn't do it. They couldn't make it happen. Have you ever felt like something was missing in your life? Something was missing maybe in your spiritual life? Like you just weren't connected? Jesus offers an answer. Verse 17, he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Well, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> this is one of Jesus' pastoral days. <laughs> Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? You can, say, you can tell he's getting near the end. What he's been thinking inside, now he's saying it. Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. The disciples couldn't do it and Jesus kind of gives two words here. He gives unbelieving. Everybody say unbelieving. Unbelieving, unbelieving is not connected to God in faith. Unbelieving is not connected to God with faith. There's something here about the disciples. They just weren't close enough 
they believed in what Jesus had done, they'd actually done some of those things themselves. But sometimes our lives get further away from him than we'd like. Sometimes when we get busy, even with ministry, even with church stuff, our lives, our hearts get further away from God than they should. And there's something here that is happening and the, the, the disciples are trying to figure it out. But he says, Jesus says, unbelieving generation, he says, perverse, perverse. We could use perverse as too connected to the world. The world always perverts what God's trying to do. There's always a synthetic counterfeit to everything God does. The devil makes sure that it's on display and ready for you to partake of. And so the question, maybe you're not hungry enough for God because you're too connected to something else. You let too much of the world in, watching, listening, talking. You're more interested in what's happening in your world instead of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying that your problem is you're disconnected and you're too connected. You're disconnected from him and you're too connected to the world. It's why you're not finding the thing that you feel is missing. Why you're having the, not having the victory that you want and is available. Why you can't ditch that sin, maybe, that keeps knocking you down. Verse 19, he says, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, he, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And then in the New King James Version, actually in the King James, that translation, Jesus says these words, this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. What Jesus is pointing out in the disciples that there are some demonic influences and there are some spiritual things that you can't get to, you can't get through unless you have more spiritual power. Unless you are more consumed with faith, more consumed with belief, more consumed with God's ways than you are the world's ways. Every one of you have hit a wall when you diet haven't you? You go, you diet for a while, and then it's like, exercise as well. You, you can exercise, you're doing this thing, it's great, it's good. You hit a wall. You got to change up your exercise, you got to change up your diet to go further. It's similar in the spiritual realm. There is something that has to shift for us, something we have to become part of that God is doing and we have to give ourselves to it in a way that we haven't in the past. And I believe Jesus is calling us to change it up, to be willing to do things like fast. It's not part of our regular routine. 
We don't have a lot of fasting in American culture. And fasting can be legalistic. It can be all these things. It can, and, and I'll just tell you, it causes headaches. Because <laughs> when you're detoxing from caffeine and all that coffee that you put in your system, and all the coffee I put in my system, see, I'm out of it now. I, I've, I've, I've gone five days, six, five days with no coffee, and I feel pretty good. And I love coffee. It's like really something hard to give up. How sad is that? That it's really hard for me to give up a cup of coffee. That's how petty it can get. Jesus is calling us to something deeper. Jesus is calling us to something more spiritually powerful. I don't believe we're going to be able to overcome the trajectory of the world and its current ways without more spiritual power. I don't think we're going to be able to do it. At least in America. I don't know if you realize this, but the church is on the move in like 180 nations of the world. The church of Jesus Christ, Christianity is, is growing in nations all over the planet. But there's about 17 that are in stasis or declining. America is still in stasis. We haven't started declining yet. But Christianity is not keeping up with population growth, so it's only a matter of time. What is before us is so good. Now, here's, here's a thing that we forget. There's something on the other side of giving, fasting, giving it up. There's something on the other side of it. And it is so beautiful, and it is so wonderful. And you... I can tell you I'm starting to feel it in my own body. I, I'm starting to feel that, that sense of lightness, that sensitivity to God himself, the willingness for him to speak to me and for other things not to be in the way like they were a week ago. And I, something is so powerful. Prayer connects us to God in a way that is so meaningful. We've got to enter into it. I want you to come to the Zoom prayer room and be with it. How many of you were on the call this last week? Okay, not enough, not enough. Do you know why we're doing 6.30 a.m.? Now, some of you, it's not, you can't figure it out. You, your schedule doesn't work. You got blah, blah, blah. But most of you can do it at 6.30. Most of you have flexibility in your schedule. And the reason we're doing it on Zoom is because we've had prayer meetings here and we've had prayer meetings at every campus and usually about 20%, 10 to 20% of people come and join us for early morning prayer. And I was just tired of 10 to 20%. I wanted, it to, I wanted our church to agree together in prayer. I wanted our church to come together in a way we maybe haven't ever before and for us to pray together because it connects you to something that is beyond our capacity. Prayer takes us out of the realm of what we can do and into the realm of what God can do. And I know some of you are like, Zoom, I don't know. Zoom is so... Listen, if your boss tells you to do Zoom, you do it. I'm not your boss, but I'm your pastor. Your pastor is standing up here every week and saying, come on, join us. Listen, something is on the other side for you. Don't just look at the pain 
of giving up your coffee. There's something deeper, something greater, something better. Freedom is on the other side. Freedom for other people. You realize that Jesus came and cast the demon out of the boy. Jesus had greater connection with his father. He had spent more hours in prayer with his dad than the disciples had. The disciples were still excited about getting to do stuff. Jesus, when they came back and said, even the demons submit to us, he said, hey, 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 don't get too excited about that. What I want you to be really excited about is that your name is listed in the book of life. You're included. You're in the family. You belong here. That's what Jesus was saying, right? That's what prayer does. Reminds you of who you are. Reminds you of your identity, who God says you are, and who he's trying to help us be. So praying is about connecting to God, but fasting is disconnecting us from the world. Adrian, let's, 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 let's come up and let's be ready to worship here. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And if fasting disconnects us from the world in a meaningful way, then maybe we should switch it up. It's not part of our routine. It's not part of our practice. But I want to encourage you to start to develop more hunger. I want to, I want to encourage you to develop more hunger. How do you develop more hunger? You go without food. How do you develop more hunger for God? Many times, when you choose to fast food, what happens is you get hungry for something else. You get hungry for God to fill you. I'm convinced we're not pouring ourselves out enough that we need God to fill us. I think we have to get, learn how to pour ourselves out to God in prayer, in fasting, in serving, in giving ourselves away, that we become desperate for God to fill us up because we can't do it all without Him. Instead, we keep filling ourselves up with stuff and saying, yeah, God, we need you to help us. But what we're really saying is we just need relief from the stuff we're all addicted to. But we're not actually willing to do the thing that releases us from the addiction. Listen, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. What God is doing among us, we have to become hungry for. And if we're not in a position to be hungry enough for Him, we have to put ourselves in that position and begin to let God take over. That's what we're going to need. His power will come in to our lives in a greater way than we've ever seen. Thank you.